This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, let's get to, uh, let's get to headlines. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. All right, the head coaching search is ongoing for the Houston Texans. I would imagine now that uh, Mike Kafka was set to... Kafka was set to interview yesterday. I've not looked at the Texans' Twitter feed to see if they if they announced it's that. Early. They've it's done a... a pretty good job of, of announcing. Yes, there it is. Okay, there's a tweet that they have completed their interview with Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, 5.15 yesterday. So all of the first interviews have now been done with all of the eight candidates they initially targeted. Yeah. Of those eight, only one is off the board. That's Ben Johnson, who's gone back to Detroit to be their offensive coordinator for at least another year. Yeah. The big one was D'Amico Ryans. You know, with D'Amico Ryans, when you when you look at Ben Johnson, who kind of took his name out of the ring, and he had done an interview with the Texans and one other team. You Carolina, do, maybe? Carolina, yeah. yeah. I think he was on his way to Carolina. Colts. He didn't do okay. Carolina. He did the Colts. He did the Colts, so, yeah. Um, I think the same thing may have happened to D'Amico Ryans last year, which is, the guys get into the interview cycle, and maybe they start to feel like, okay, you know what? I need, um, I gotta, I gotta have my ducks in a row. I'm not a little ready. Bit better than this, I'm not ready. Yeah. Or, um, and I think that's why I don't, I don't worry too much about guys interviewing. If I, if one of the Texans assistant head coaches was uh, interview, or excuse, assistant coaches was interviewing for a head job, for instance, hypothetically, hopefully someday in the future, because they're so good. It, I don't worry about it because the guys that are getting the most attention generally have. They've got their spiel figured out before the season even begins. Yeah. And I think what happened maybe with D'Amico last year with Ben Johnson this year is you go on an interview or two and you realize, all right, yeah, I'm, this is, uh, that's not where I am right now. I got to really figure out exactly what my vision is. And I've, through that interview, I've learned it. So it's all, it's all just part of the process. That's a great observation. I think a lot of these guys that wind up at the coordinator level probably have thought about being a head coach. Yeah. But I don't know that a lot of them, especially as young as all these guys are, yeah. have sat down and mapped out what it would look like to be a head coach. And, and that's where I do wonder, too, if you look at the relative success so far of Shanahan assistants compared to, say, Belichick assistants, yeah. I think that, it, you know, for one, I think Shanahan might hire a different type of guy than Belichick did, just a different personality type. But I wonder also if Shanahan and maybe guys in the organization, uh, because his dad's around a lot, too, Maybe they also do a better job of preparing guys for what the challenges are of being uh, a head coach. Where I don't know if Belichick's... um, Remember, one of the things he promised McDaniels to bring him back into the fold was that he would teach McDaniels about all of the finer parts of coaching and managing the cap and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe other coaches do a better job of doing that before they realize that their coach just 
accepted a job with the Colts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. Not, no, the, the way that story goes, and who knows how true it is or anything, but the way the story goes, it really was like McDaniels accepted that job with the Colts, and Belichick kind of realized because the season was over and he's so focused during the season, he realized like, oh, oh crap, well, I guess I better talk to Josh. Yeah. And he saw Josh came back to clean out his office, and Belichick was like, oh, I'll talk to you for a minute. Right. And then talked him into staying. But it wasn't like some part of, you know, grand scheme or anything. It was it was really just that, which would, I, I guess, show you a little bit maybe how little Belichick pays attention to that side of things. Yeah, whereas Shanahan is the opposite of that is what you're saying. It's almost like head coach university. Maybe, maybe. maybe possibly, maybe, yeah, 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 possibly. Um, you're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. Hey, point blank, just how optimistic are you that D'Amico Ryans is going to be the next head coach of the Houston Texans just based on the smoke that we're seeing right now? I say... The fact that Vegas took the odds off the board is intriguing to me. That's uh, usually that only happens because of an injury or an arrest, and I've heard of neither of those as uh, of late. So, I or think because that, something's such a lock that they don't feel right. they don't want to take action. They on don't it. want to even take action yeah. on it. Yeah, maybe that's the only action they're getting is on D'Amico. Could be, maybe or, a little yeah. heavy on him. Could be. So, um, I feel pretty good about it. I think the fact that it, look, it was reported to have gone well. That that's like how every surgery is reported to have gone well. Unless Sean Payton leaks something to his buddy Colin Coward, everything is always going. You know what well. I did hear about this surgery? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little like the Brady Bunch season three, <laughs> where um, Jan got hit in the face with a football. <laughs> so Actually, yeah, I feel pretty optimistic. Good. And I think, and I am, D'Amico is my favorite, and it does has nothing to do with the fact that he was a good player for the Texans or anything like that. I think that most coaches that are hired are not hired for their leadership ability because there just aren't that many great natural leaders out there. I think D'Amico, whether he's an offensive or defensive-minded coach, whether he's a special teams coordinator, I don't care. I think if you, you take the best head coach in the hiring cycle. If, it, if, if one of these other guys like Shane Steichen or Jonathan Gannon or any of the other ones had a – had, had such admiration from others as a person or as a leader or all that, then I would say, you know what? Go with the offensive coordinator. Yeah. But the only other guy that with demonstrated genuine leadership ability is is Sean Payton. And A, I don't think that's going to happen. And B, he's increasingly annoying me. Every time I see him on Fox, I want to dump my TV, uh, TV into Rip the Rip it pool. off the wall. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as D'Amico... D'Amico interviewed on Friday. Um, you laid this out really well earlier, I thought. I did. The mix of D'Amico and Nick Casario, oh, excuse yeah. me, Casario, you think could be a, uh, you, I think you, a, you think it's a good fit. I, look, there are three elements. There are three elements to any NFL team. There's the owner, obviously. There's the general manager, and there's the head coach. Where those three things and how they interact can make a lot of really smart people look like idiots, or they can make a lot. They make some mediocre guys look brilliant just because they they mesh and mix so well, and they become smarter because of it. I do think that D'Amico and Casario working together would really complement a lot of each other's either blind spots or inexperience. And I think that I think that Casario and D'Amico are both decent people, which is important if you're going to try to have a good partnership. And that, you know, Casario is obviously a very analytical dude, um, not as much on the human touch side of things as D'Amico. And D'Amico just simply doesn't have that much experience on the financial part of the game, on the actual managing the salary cap, making the hard decisions. Because sometimes you got to take your emotion out of it when you make those decisions, whereas Casario very much has that experience. 
And I think they would work well together. So like knowing knowing both guys a little bit, it just feels like that would be the the right mix. Yeah, yeah. The um the other bit of D'Amico news that came out uh, over the weekend was that he had canceled interviews oh, with the Colts and the Cardinals. I almost thought you were going to say he had cancer. I was like, well, that seems no, no, like no. that should have been a headline. No, no, what the no. hell, Sean? No, canceled. Cancel. <laughs> the other bit of news, right? Yeah, yeah can you imagine? I'm, it's like subtext. That's just basal cell skin cancer. Right, right, no right. No, yeah. no, he's fine. He's perfectly yeah. healthy as far as we know. Um, but he canceled interviews with the Cardinals and the Colts. Some people were taking a victory lap over that. I don't – I think it just – I think it's a matter of time. Plus, it was also inaccurately reported that this, the interviews were going to be on Sunday. That came from a, apparently a misunderstanding from somebody's report. Yeah. The interviews were uh, on Saturday, according to somebody else. Uh, but the, he just felt like they were going to take too much time and he needed to focus on the game. I will say this. Unless the Texans land on a coach this week, yeah. that NFC title game on Sunday is going to be a fun watch for Texan fans. I mean, we were talking about Steichen... And Gannon versus Kafka, like it was a huge thing. You know, Gannon v. Kafka. Dude, Steichen's offense, which is humming right now, versus D'Amico Ryan's defense, which is the best in the league, that's a fun watch for Texan fans if they haven't found a head coach by then. I remember... These are two of the top three or four candidates for the job right now. Gary Kubiak was hired, I believe, before they played in the divisional playoffs that, uh, that year, or is it before the conference championships? Gary Kubiak was the offensive coordinator for the Broncos okay. in 2005. So in the 2006 hiring cycle, he was hired before they were out of the playoffs. And I remember kind of thinking, like, oh, I hope the hope the Broncos lose to either the Patriots or the Steelers, whichever team they were up against. So Ultimately, you, they lost to the Steelers in the AFC Championship game. That's right. That's yeah. right. That was the Steelers went on to win the Super Bowl. I was like, Bowl yeah, I'd like this guy to get started. I'm yeah. going to be distracted get, for another couple of weeks. Let's get cracking with my new head coach. Yeah. Oh, they only had one week between... That was uh, that was before they did the two weeks between the championship game and the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah. well, there you go. Um, so I told him when I saw when I met him, I was like, "I'm glad you lost. Now, yeah, get, now get to work." Because I wanted to start working with you. Get in there and get working. Yeah, <laughs> get, get get cracking, buddy. Yeah. Um, as far as the playoffs this weekend, uh, not nearly as exciting as last year's divisional round, but I don't know what would be last year's divisional round. All the games were coming down to the final play. This year's divisional round. I mean, a couple of these games were over before they started. Uh, the Specifically, the Eagles game, I mean, the Giants were completely outclassed in that game. Uh, the the Chiefs-Jags game, the Jags hung around in that game. I think if Patrick Mahomes had full use of both of his legs, it probably would have been more of a boat race in that game. But the Jags were able to, they were able to get the backdoor cover on the minus 9.5 point or plus 9.5 point spread yeah. with a late field goal. Um, and the two... Sunday games, this is crazy to say, but the Bengals look to be the better team from the first drive. I mean, Seth, they went down the field in six plays on the opening drive. I do think that Romo made some good points in that game, which are accurate. Which Other other than that, this whole... His broadcasting career arc is. Flaw- I was about to say, I got to hear this. Algernon, man. <laughs> yeah, he's gotten uh, he's gotten dumber and dumber every year. Have you noticed? Honestly, they bring Gene Steratore in almost like a third man in the booth because Romo. This is how anytime there's anything involving rules whatsoever, it's Romo will ask Gene Steratore exactly what's going on, and then Romo will encapsulate what Gene Steratore said like he's known in his whole life. 
he's kind of Clyde-like um, in the way he's just kind of parroting what the other guys around him are 17 saying. Seventeen million a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then you get Greg after him, and you're like, oh boy, this guy. He actually uh, he's actually Greg Olson. This game. Yeah, Greg Olson. Greg Olson. Watch, Olson. Watch so uh, what Roma was the good made, the good Roma point? A good point, which is that. That defense, the Bills' defense, kind of like a Lovey Smith defense, is one that's predicated on getting upfield, not necessarily anchoring down. And it's it's not one that's necessarily going to do well with poor footing. So in with that, I think that Bengals' offensive line looked a lot better in those conditions than they otherwise would have. The Bills' defensive line speed didn't work to their advantage nearly as much. And like a guy like Max Sharping, who's a big mauler of a dude, can kind of just lean into guys, and it worked out well. Like the Clydesdales are better than the Thoroughbreds when you get into that situation. So the Clydesdales of the the Bengals, their offensive line actually had an advantage in those conditions, which I was, I was surprised the Bills didn't try to do more to improve the field conditions somehow. Like it felt like they can get that snow off of there, right? Don't, aren't some of these fields heated nowadays? Like it's not that one. I guess not. That's well, they're building a new stadium. You know, they are. Think, uh, they are. They it's, they couldn't get it built in time for the game on Sunday for them. Unfortunately, radiant Sean, listen, the radiant heating is something the uh, the contractor tells you what a great idea it is, and yeah. then you get the final bill, and you're like, oh, damn, I I damn well better feel good getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. You know, it's <laughs> right. Um, it's funny because the this the AFC right now, the last four teams in the AFC. The topic I saw all week long was, well, is this it in the AFC for the next several years? You got Allen in the East, you got Mahomes in the West, you got Lawrence in the South, and you got Burrow in the North, and this is how it's going to be, and we know that's not the case. You know, we know that two years ago, people were wondering if Joe Burrow, if the only reason he wasn't making a stink about getting drafted by the Bengals is because he's from Ohio. Yeah. The Jaguars were picking first in the draft a year ago. I understand the take because these are all marquee quarterbacks, right. highly draft. Mahomes is the Mahomes is the lowest pick out of all of them. The dude went 10th in the draft. Um, But I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I look at that Bills team, I'm going, okay. I mean, one one or two of these teams are going to have a shelf life where they're going to be 6-10 and 10 in the next couple years. Well, it's the way it goes. Josh Allen... Uh, his this is a, this is the last year of his cheap deal or next year is sometime this year or next year is the last cheap year of his deal. The cap figure goes up astronomically, um, you know, well, incredibly <laughs> astronomically, uh, pretty soon to where and they've got Poyer and a few other key free agents. It's going to be hard to keep that team together without developing the offense into something more advanced than it is right now, which a lot of times feels just like street ball. It feels like it feels like it's Josh Allen. Either having an opportunity a few times a game where Stefan Diggs isn't completely bracketed, or other than that, it's him just literally carrying people on his back over the first down marker, making a few stick throws um, here and there in a good way. But it's not; it doesn't feel like a, a, a brilliantly well orchestrated offense. It doesn't. You know what I look at when I look at the the build? And by the way, here are his cap figures for the next five years: forty-two million, fifty-one million, forty-seven million, forty million. Forty-one and a half million. Now that's the cap. You can do some gymnastics and things like that. But this plays into the point. My follow-up point to what you just said is that Josh Allen's not a guy who gets into the open field and then gets out of bounds or slides yeah. or uses his elusiveness. He takes likes a lot running. Of hits. He yeah. takes a lot of hits. He likes running over people. And I just I wonder how instructive Cam Newton or somebody like that is. Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton fell off a cliff after like seven or eight years, and a lot of it, I think, was. He took a pounding. But and that's that's by the way why Pat Mahomes 
yesterday, who or excuse me, this weekend, who he had to win that game with his brain. It, it like it was the best display of just how far he's come from being a young quarterback who would make these circus throws. In this game, he made that before he got injured. He made that one jump pass that was awesome. That was crazy. But then after that, he was hobbling around, uh, you know, on a peg leg, and. He just had to distribute. He had to do all those boring things, like take what the defense gives you, all that stuff that mature quarterbacks do. And he was brilliant at it. And he just, he and Travis Kelsey have developed such a good relationship. And Kelsey doesn't look like he's about to go the way of Gronkowski. I think he's going to end up aging very well. It, and he just, he, there were a few times where Mahomes adjusted the pass protection because he anticipated blitz so well. And knew just how long he had to extend to play before he got rid of it. It was really like a like a, a mentally brilliant game out of him. It was really impressive to see. And you have to ask yourself, okay, with these other guys, when is when's Burrow gonna get to that point? When's Josh Allen gonna get to that point? Burrow's younger, obviously, but um it's you can only do it with your your physical skills for so long. Yeah. Um so it's it's a rematch of last year's AFC title game in the AFC title game this year. It's Kansas City and Kansas City and Cincinnati, um, and then we've got uh, we got the Eagles and the 49ers in the NFC title game. As far as some of the games over the weekend, we just mentioned Kansas City, um, Kansas City and Jacksonville. We hit Cincinnati and Buffalo, Philadelphia and um, and the Giants. We've not really dug into San Francisco and Dallas. Where probably the biggest story coming out of that game last night was a tweet from our governor, yeah, <laughs> Governor Greg Abbott tweeted this after Brett Maher had another extra point. This one was blocked, but if you saw the view from behind, that thing wasn't going in. It was going to be. It looked like a pumpkin when he was lucky. It got got blocked because usually that guy's you're, you're blocking him specifically because that guy's not going to block the kick with his hand. It got blocked by the guy who's playing right defensive end. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, So just had his hand in the air. Yeah. Yeah. And it hit his hand. It hit his helmet. It was, (laughs) that was another part of it. Apparently. Yeah, it was bad. Um, Greg Abbott, our governor, tweeted this, 628 last night. I swear I can kick as good as the Dallas Cowboys kicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which uh, it was... Our wheelchair-bound governor. <laughs> I feel like that's a joke. I don't even... Um, that's, that's one of those jokes where I uh, I credit him with making the joke, and yet I feel weird laughing at it because I feel like he's the only one that can make that joke. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm just going to let that go and give, give credit to him for making the joke. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's got 18,000 retweets yeah. and 122,000 likes and climbing. Is that one? Is that a bipartisan joke that people that even if they despise him politically can laugh at? Text they, in. Yeah. If you're not, if you're on the other side of the aisle from Greg Abbott, did you, did you respect his joke or do you think he's being insensitive yeah. to himself? To himself. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know the plight he's been through. So. <laughs> no. that, oh, so by the way, Mike McCarthy, honestly, having Maher in that game and, also, I would say I, I, I object to what's Greg Olson's partner's name? The, uh, Burkhart. Uh, Burkhart. Burkhart, after Maher kicked the 25 yard field goal, said, like, boy, that must be a weight off his shoulders. I'm like, that's less than the extra Dude. point. He's like, what are you talking Dude, about? There's a 25 people, yard field goal is somehow a weight off his shoulders. There's people in the parking lot before texting games <laughs> kicking 25 yard field goals at tailgate parties. Are you kidding me? Oh. Yeah, so I so McCarthy having him in the game, they had signed a kicker to the practice squad. 
Um, I'm, I'm not messing around with that. I'm just going ahead and I'm sticking. When I'm getting to the point where I, I have to go for it on fourth down specifically yeah. because I'm afraid of what my kicker's going to yeah. do. There are a lot of guys out there on the street right now that aren't aren't that way, you know? Make an extra point. That's yeah. what we're asking for. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, an extra point is a 33-yard field goal. Right. So after a 25-yard field goal, yeah, <laughs> they're saying like, whoa, boy, that's got to feel good. Like, I don't know. I, man, no. does it? No. <laughs> no, because he still goes to the sideline, Maher, probably. Like, they're all looking at me. They're all looking when at they me. They went right for now. it on fourth down that time. Did you see Maher was in the uh, on the sideline acting like, oh, man, I wanted to be out there. I, I'm... No, I'm a winner. Uh, to quote, feel it. To quote Shannon Sharp, you don't want those problems. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want those problems. Hey, what's so, oh, so Mike McCarthy? Yeah, is, yeah, it's got to be Sean Payton. I was just going to ask it's you, what be. percentage chance is Sean Payton going to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys next They're, year? I feel like it's a foregone conclusion. Yep, that's just because it makes wow. so much sense. Yeah, okay. What do we know about Sean Payton? He feeds stuff to the media all the time. Like all the time, apparently. More so than I, I always knew that a little whole bit. Week last like week, now, yeah, it. like just un, uh, doesn't even barely try to disguise it. Yeah. And year after year, there would be rumors about Sean Payton to the Cowboys. Uh, it was reported by Florio that at one point they were they were close to a deal. The Cowboys almost traded for Sean Payton, but Mickey Loomis, who is also the um, the GM of the Hornets, the yeah, the Pelicans. Excuse me, the Pelicans. Yeah, the of the Pelicans. The, the four. They used to be the Hornets. That's going to mess with you. <laughs> Which used to be the yeah. <laughs> so um, remember when they were in Oklahoma City? No, just sorry. But Mickey Seth, Loomis basically didn't uh, because Anthony Davis had just left. Mickey Loomis yeah. didn't want to. Felt like they shouldn't do that to the city. Yep. To lose Sean Payton too. So that deal got the kibosh put on it. Yep. And you know, obviously, that stuff all gets leaked by Sean Payton every year. Every year there'd be rumors like clockwork, and then Sean Payton might get a new contract out of it or something. So it just makes too much sense for him to go there. I felt like Mike McCarthy's fate should have been sealed uh, either, let's see, the one time when he punted, or because this has always driven me crazy. I do not like to judge people's sideline body language because it's just too easy to, to get the wrong impression. McCarthy has always bothered me as a guy that does not strike me as an actual leader when it comes to the game situation. When they blew when they blew the lead in the NFC Championship game a few years back, they came out at the third came, corner and McCarthy looked like he was riding through a ticker tape parade. Like, and that was a game in which he didn't ever even realize that Clay Matthews would be injured at the end of the game. The game management was awful. And then last night, I'm watching that defensive back tackles George Kittle. And you go to the sideline, and Mike McCarthy is just shaking his head in disbelief that apparently, the, uh, it's what it looked like, that the officials would make that call. At first, I thought, like, well, is he, maybe he's just mad at the defensive back. Like, no, it looked like he was actually mad. Like, dude, what are you actually focused on and concerned about? Like, a valid a valid penalty there at that yeah. moment? Yeah. Or, or actually coaching your football team? He's got to go. If you're a Cowboys fan, you can't, if you have any pride for yourself, you cannot possibly tell me that you like both Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy mm. and that you feel that those guys are the guys to lead you forward. Boy, Dak was bad. Yeah. Those two picks were really, really bad. Uh, the Cowboys right now, because the draft order is, with each subsequent playoff round, the draft order solidifies, um, and the Cowboys will be picking 27th in the draft. Uh, we heard Sean Payton say last week on the Colin Cowherd show that uh, it, he thinks a mid to late First round pick, we get the job done. That is a mid to late first round pick. Yeah. The 27th overall pick in the draft for Sean Payton. I think that would be a good move by the Dallas Cowboys. Over and done with. It's in the conference, but not the division. 
So does it make sense for the Saints then? Uh, and I, you know, and I, it just feels like too. I, so much of this, like the timing of Peyton retiring, it was it coincided. I don't. It wasn't a coincidence. And I don't think that it wasn't even planned that Sean Payton, like Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, were just going to try to play it out until Breeze retired, and then that was going to be it. Um, and that maybe you know Loomis being agreeing to just be cool about trading him was part of the deal too. Yeah, I mean that just it makes sense to me. Yep, I have no idea whether that's how it actually was. The only thing I would say about the Cowboys trading a first round pick in arguing against it again, I think it would be a good move for them to go get Peyton. I think he's way better than McCarthy. <laughs> the Cowboys actually have a pretty good track record of drafting in the first round. They've done a pretty good job. They've got the, uh, the core of their team are. are Largely young guys they've drafted. Yeah, um, they've they've done a really good job uh, in the draft of of finding their their core group. The twenty seventh pick in the draft, the Cow- it means more to me that it's the Cowboys pick than than some of these other teams back here. I think um, speaking of that, one of our listeners who is like me a D'Amico fan said something along the line of, "Hey, Jonathan Gannon's got all these studs on defense, whereas D'Amico, you know, had to create this defense." I would. I love D'Amico, and he is my favorite for that. Dude. I would say it's a little bit of both. Nick Come on. Bo- <laughs> Nick Bosa. D'Amico wasn't like the strength and conditioning Fred coach Warner. for Nick Bosa either. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Hell, he's got players. No, man. well, okay. As far as Fred Warner goes, though, Fred Warner was a third-round pick, yep. and D'Amico was his linebacker. Was his coach position coach. From, That's a, a good from his call. rookie year. Now that was right. D'Amico's first oh, year dude. as a linebacker. So, I mean, there's, oh. something, there's something to be said for Christian Harris. For that. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh. what, that's, what it, that's dicey because... Like, I'll tell you that Mike Munchak, I think, is one of the best offensive line coaches who ever lives. Yeah. And I, I say that because I played against his offensive lines all the time. Right. You can tell when, it, when a unit is well coached. Mm-hmm. And he was a really, really good offensive line coach. When he got elevated to offensive coordinator and head coach, it, their offensive line fell off in terms of coaching. So it's not – they can't spend their He's time a little being, distracted. The, being the position coach, <laughs> yeah, right? That's true. That's a good so, point. But, but I, I think there are elements to the defense he would run that hopefully could help Christian Harris be like – uh, a Fred Warner type be utilized of better. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of the draft, um, the uh, Matt Miller, ESPN.com, uh, he's got his 20 players with first round grades. So there's 20 players that he has that are graded with a first round grade. The good news is the Texans have two of the top 12 picks. Ooh. The bad news might be oh. the comps that he has for a couple of the quarterbacks. Would you be okay with the Texans drafting the equivalent of these guys with the second overall pick? That is next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, we're going to get to the text page in a second. It seems like overwhelmingly, according to the dozens of texts we've got, that uh, people thought it was a a good tweet from Governor Greg Abbott. We'll get yeah, to- for people, we were asking if it was bipartisan because sometimes right. you have to grudgingly, people have to grudgingly admit that somebody they don't like politically made a good joke. Yeah, it, it seems like for the most part, people are doing that with Greg Abbott. Here right. was here was a tweet in case you haven't texted in yet yeah. to the trailer wheel and frame text page. Seven one three five seven two four six ten. Text in. Here was the tweet. This was after the Cowboys kicker Brett Maher had missed another extra point or had it blocked. Um. I swear I can kick as good as the Dallas Cowboys kicker. That's yeah. the whole tweet. It was very funny. Which was that, part of that, too, is people having to explain, people from Texas having to explain to a lot of people outside Texas that he's in a wheelchair. He's wheelchair. So, yeah, uh, so yeah the, it, was, it was one of those curious moments where you wanted to wait and see, like, is somebody going to try to cancel Greg Abbott for making fun of, uh, for making a joke about himself? For being insensitive to, to himself, himself, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, probably. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So Matt Miller is one of ESPN.com's draft experts, and he put out a piece over the weekend where he's got he's got 20 players with a first-round grade, which has to feel awesome for the people drafting 21 through 32. But that's how it goes. You know, the guy, he, some, some, uh, some graders are stricter than others, but he's got 20 players with a first-round grade. I would say this slew of players has a bunch of dudes that would look really good in Texan uniforms. Quarterback is what I want to see them do with the second overall pick. Seth, if anything, the games this weekend in the AFC has has made me even more steadfast that they've got to use a second overall pick and just take a shot with one of these guys. Yeah, you got a bunch of quarterbacks that are highly drafted, playing at a high level, who are very young. You brought up the number earlier that Dak Prescott, who's not even 30, is the oldest, was the oldest quarterback still remaining in the postseason as of yesterday. Um, the two quarterbacks that I think most Texan fans are excited about right now, or at least curious about right now. Bryce Young of Alabama, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Uh, Matt Miller has them rated second and fourth overall, respectively. So two of the top four players overall, the other two players in the top four, to no big surprise. Number one, Will Anderson, edge rusher out of Alabama. And number three is Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, who we hope the Bears fall in love with one of them so that nobody moves up and takes a quarterback in front of the Texans. Then Texans will have their choice of Young or Stroud or Levis. We'll see. Um, the comp for Bryce Young. You've watched plenty of Bryce Young, Seth. Do you, does this comp hold water for you? He compares Bryce Young to Tua Tungavailoa. Ah! Ah! No. This is, you know how Daryl Morey has, he makes his people make cross-racial comparisons. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just, if you're, if you're valuing a white player, you can't just compare him to four other white players because you're being lazy. Yeah. You know, and maybe those are valid comps, but you got to, like, stretch yourself to be sure that you're not just being lazy and find something going by else. appearance. Yeah, I feel like this was a, you need to go cross-school at least. Where, okay, well, Bryce Young and uh, both shorter guys out of Alabama. So, yeah, let's just go ahead and say Tua. I think uh, in a lot of respects from, I I would say, functional athleticism. Because there's a difference between being, you know, neither of those guys are, you know, 
blazing athletes or anything, but I think the functional athleticism and ability to improvise is greater with Bryce Young, and I think the actual arm talent uh, is greater. So I like it's tough. He's a tough one because of his body size. I would say somewhere between Drew Brees and Doug Flutie is my yeah. comp for them. Okay. Like uh, the kind of the he's got a with the ball placement and arm talent of a Drew Brees. Um, but maybe more on the level of a, a Doug Flutie type of athleticism, you know? The ability to move. Yeah. Um, I didn't like seeing him compared to Tua. I'm not a Tua fan. Um, CJ Stroud's comp. <laughs> and, and I guess I gotta be, mm, I gotta be fair on this one. Yeah. Uh, CJ Stroud's comp, according to Matt Miller of ESPN.com, is Dak Prescott. Not a great Monday to come in and look and see that you're being compared to Dak Prescott. Yeah. Dak, other than that game... Against the God, who did they beat? Tampa in the divisional round. That's the one good game Dax had in the last like month and a half. <laughs> he's not been good the last month, right? So. Right. Well, he's just the biggest thing is some of his decision making and his really Horrible. weird interceptions. He and Josh Allen both have had interceptions where you're like, dude, are you a rookie? What, yes. are, you, what are you doing? Yeah. How are you not seeing this? How are you? How are you so blind? So I would say again, I mean, Dak Prescott. I mean, you can make his legs part of the game plan. So I don't think that that's the the accurate one, and I think C.J. Stroud's accuracy is better than Dak Prescott. I've seen him compared to Joe Burrow and Jared Goff, which might be better. I think both those guys have kind of um, they've got a like they've got an ability to use their legs, but it's certainly not what you're gonna draft them for. Yeah. But it's enough. Like it's enough in the modern NFL, right? And with him, so much of it, it's like any Ohio State quarterback as of late. It's it's hard to say he's got the same ability to anticipate or throw guys open or has the same ball placement because those receivers are so wide ass open so often, it, which is not C.J. Stroud's fault, obviously. But yeah, I would go with more one of the of, of a closer of like the modern traditional pocket quarterback like Joe Burrow. Yeah, I don't want to flip flop because I've said all along, and this is a bad Monday to come in and say it because Dak was so bad yesterday. But I've said all along that if whoever the Texans take six years in, wind up being the equivalent of what Dak Prescott has done so far, that's yeah. a successful pick. The people, I don't, people don't realize how few times these top picks even work out to where they're functional quarterbacks. You know, the funny thing with, with Stroud and some guys sometimes is I think in college they're, try, they're doing the right thing and they're trying to be guys that do it with their arm and they want to show that they can do it yeah. with their arm. Which is really good because you were like that's a lot easier to work with than, than the guy that just pulls the ball down and runs after his first read is gone all the time. Um, but I know the league has changed so much that I don't know if that's a benefit anymore. I think it was. I think with C.J. Stroud, a lot of scouts are saying like, "Gosh, I wish he would run more." You know, like I, I, he's just he's athletic enough to do it. You saw it versus Georgia. Like, yeah. Well, I wish he would do it like Joe Burrow. So I, I think he's. Obviously, fully capable of doing, and it's just a matter of just he's. I like that he's conscious of having to find a balance. Some young guys don't really understand and believe that they got to figure out a balance somehow. Yeah. With C.J. Stroud, he's very aware of it that he obviously has to find a balance. He he and, is and he's doing a good job of it. If anything, he's he's overcorrecting for yep. it. He he. How many games does C.J. Stroud play in where yeah, he needs to where do he has that? to run? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like he's playing against a team in Georgia that's going to have half their defense drafted at some point, if or more. Um, I mean, some of that was probably survival instinct kicking in, which is a good thing, right? He, you know, then I'd rather his instincts tell him to go do something than he's doing things because I am going to come into this game and I am going to make it a point by God to use my legs because that's what I hear the scouts are 
saying about me. No, there were times where Georgia's defense, led by Jalen Carter, where quarterbacks, even on good teams, are running for their lives. Yeah. That's that's how you get to be the national champion in, in Georgia. Um, the other quarterback is actually the comp where I'm like, oh, okay, uh-huh, all right. Maybe I wouldn't have said this before he actually won a Super Bowl. Will Levis is compared to, according to Matt Miller of ESPN, Matthew Stafford. Would you be cool with drafting the next Matthew Stafford with the second overall pick? I think I'd have to say yes. Stafford's a guy who's more athletic than you think he is just because he's got kind of a chubby face. He's got that pro- he's got that Lance Berkman problem yes. where people assume they're not that athletic because you've got a, a chubby face. Um, but I think he's... Uh, <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Does he have like the all the weird arm angles and slotting and everything that Matt Stafford does? I like the Josh Allen comparison better for Will Levis, if only just because Josh Allen's a guy that played way better technically. Like with his arm, his arm got better as he got older and as he refined some things with yeah, his technique. That that comp is going to be the ruination of a lot of teams. Yeah, that think they can find the next Josh Allen. Yeah, like the guy who, like you look at his numbers at Wyoming, they were so bad like completion percentage and turnovers and all those things. So now every big strapping athletic quarterback who's got issues with turnovers and accuracy for the time being, there's going to be a team that convinces themselves he's the next Josh Allen. See, Anthony Richardson's uh, the same thing, the kid out of Florida. Josh Allen is the Micah Parsons of of, of his position where yeah. there's Micah Parsons doing like where he – God, he had that hump move last night. It was just <laughs> that poor McClinchy. That right tackle from that right tackle from the 49ers. He looked like yeah. he did his rookie year when the 49ers came here to practice. Yeah. And JJ Watt just destroyed the that Notre poor Dame kid. kid. Was tossing him around like, like 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 uh, laundry he didn't want. Yep. It was bad. So that's what Micah Parsons did last night. Now yeah. that McClinchy is an actual veteran, but. Yeah, Micah Parsons is a guy like, wow, he's so athletic. He's so versatile. He can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So now all these guys are going to get drafted that are kind of like Micah Parsons athletic. Right. Josh Allen, I don't know. I think people, there's still trepidation about a guy that doesn't really show accuracy, obviously. So I don't know if that's going to, I think Will Levis, Will Levis is going to get drafted in like guys did forever and ever, which is, gosh, he sure looks like a, a stud quarterback. Boy, uh, if a guy looks like a stud quarterback like that, look at him. He's tall. He's got a strong jaw. He's got a big arm. Let's do it. The word is he's really well-liked yeah. at Kentucky, too. Like, he's probably going to interview really, really well. You know, So the whole ethos of being a quarterback is will be a thing. Yeah. All right, um, Payne and Pendergast with you. We'll circle back to the NFL playoffs and the Texans head coaching search at the top of the hour. The Astros had their fan fest this weekend looked like a lot of fun. They got 34,000 people out to their fan fest. That's what happens when you're uh, defending a World Series championship. Jeff Bagwell gave an update. I don't know that Brandy's going to like this update that he gave on one particular player, Seth. She's listening right now. Um, but he did give an update on the GM search as well. Uh, so we'll hear from Astros great Jeff Bagwell next. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Hi, it's Payne and Pendergast with you uh, on a Monday, Reaction Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Jeff Bagwell, Astros had their uh, fan fest this weekend over at Minute Maid Park. Huge crowds out there, understandably so. They're a great baseball team. It was a beautiful weekend here. It was nice out. Um, they got 34,000 people over there is what I saw. Jeff Bagwell met with the media. Seth, I don't know if you used the break to text your wife to let her know either not to listen to this next cut or to prepare her for what she's about to hear because I know it's been a rough couple of years for her having lost George Springer a couple of years ago, her yeah. favorite player, mm-hmm. and now Yuli Gurriel, one of her other faves. Uh, well, here, let's let Jeff Bagwell do the talking. Here is Jeff Bagwell when asked about the future of the Astros and Yuli Gurriel. Yeah, I mean... There's nobody that loves Yuli more than us, uh, myself, Jim, Dusty, everybody. It's just trying to find the right fit um, for the club. Uh, but he's a huge part of our success here, so we'll, we'll continue to monitor that situation. What are the chances he's back here? I don't know. I don't really don't have one. It, it just it kind of just depends how the rest of this offseason goes. You know, everything gets done quickly this year in baseball pretty much. A lot of the big names are off the market. Um, but we're just kind of waiting to see how that turns out, what we do with our roster and go from there. Okay, yeah, that, that's that's a he's not back. He'd be back now if he were coming back. Yeah, monitoring the situation felt like uh, felt like something to something to say in the absence of saying something else. I don't know what kind of a situation there is. But, uh, are we monitoring the political tone, tone and Cuba right now. I don't know. He, There's no situation to monitor. You he, know what you got. Yeah, well, he, here's what I would say. Here's what I'd say about that, about monitoring the city. Because the other bit of news is that Yuli, over the weekend, reportedly had been in talks with the Miami Marlins. Yeah. I checked Wikipedia this morning. He's still listed as a free agent on Wikipedia. I realize it's Wikipedia, but he's still... There have been rumors of Yuli to Miami. Um, the one thing I would monitor with Yuli, you've brought this up before, Seth. He'd be a great guy to have in the organization if he's done playing. The Astros would... at any given time have about twice as many uh, Cuban Americans as the team with the second most 
Cubans in baseball. Right. We just flat out uh, we the Astros started aggressively signing Cubans and developing them um, and giving guys like Yuli big contracts or relatively big contracts like for an older Cuban player in a way that no other teams have done. And so many of these young Cuban players look at Yuli as a boyhood idol. So I do think that that doesn't mean that you keep Yuli on as a, as a player until he's 78 years old. No. But in terms of having him in the organization, there's, okay, right now you're at some kind of a balancing point where maybe having him as a utility guy, you know, I, I would say two or three years ago, I would say, hey, utility, third baseman, second baseman, shortstop, maybe not so much anymore. Um, but... Like maybe you're still got another year or two of him as an active player, mm-hmm. but then I but then a lot of it too is just okay. Be sure you're handling this part of it right now correctly, so that after he does retire, he still maybe wants to be a part of the organization. I would monitor you know, that to be the to be the the Bagwell, you know. Yeah, of this era. Bagwell's been very good for the organization in a lot of ways. I know a lot of you are terrified that he's somehow now the GM or something, but he's been very good for the organization. Um. Obviously, as a player, but like in recent years, with his increasing presence yeah. it, 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 in the batting cages and around the team, and I think Yuli could do the same. He's yeah, Bagwell. Bagwell's way more immersed than Andre Johnson is with the Texans. Like Bagwell is embedded all the way, into he's part of the decision making yeah. tree. But it does feel similar, like the reengagement of a former superstar of the team. Like Andre's just around the Texans a lot more these days. Yeah, it's you nice know? to see. And that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, one more from Bagwell. He says they are still searching for a uh, for a general manager. We're running pretty smoothly the way it is right now, but we do need a GM, and we will have one. Uh, it's you know process of the search right now and cutting down candidates and things like that. But you know that's not that's that's important to us right now. Jim's got that handled very well, so uh, everything's running smoothly. Yeah, they they haven't they just haven't gotten to a stage on the calendar yet where you hardcore have to have a GM. That's making some of these decisions. Like I, I trust I trust Bagwell's baseball sense. I trust his judgment of guys that he knows in baseball. Like the like Bagwell's opinion on, on Jose Abreu. Bagwell's probably got a lot of intel on Jose Abreu through his various network that he's got out there, yeah. and through watching actually watching Jose Abreu play for the last ten years. If the draft rolls around and they're operating with all their analytics nerds running the draft for them, I start to get a little nervous that there's not a a GM in there that's running that for them. Oh, that part of it. Okay, like the yeah. Draft yeah, and okay. you know, the, and trades and things yeah. like that. And, and I do think that, that the other part too is that Bagwell is speaking all this stuff more publicly now. But Bagwell had been involved in a lot of these meetings last year. He just he wasn't as front facing about all of it. Yep. And I, I think the the biggest part of it is that like Bagwell is a voice that Jim Crane likes and trusts. But I would be really, really surprised if Jim Crane doesn't disagree with Bagwell at times. <laughs> or you know, it's not like it's not like every every bit, uh, every little thing that Bagwell says is going to be written in stone, and that's the way this, uh, the the organization is going to proceed. The Astros have a huge analytics staff, and it's always about finding that balance. And the analytics people too. I do think that analytics people sometimes get painted as like always being adversaries of the old school baseball guys. Nobody's more receptive than like a good analytics dude when it comes to hearing stuff from players the way it is on the field. Cause they know that a lot of times things that they can see on a spreadsheet doesn't play out that way in real life because human beings are human beings, you yeah. know, and it's just doesn't, it's hard to operate that way. So, um, I, I'm not, 
I'm not nervous about that, and I don't think that it's just going to be a matter of Bagwell having an opinion, and that's the way it's going to be. He's just another He's another very valuable voice. Um, we're getting a lot of texts to the trailer wheel and frame text page. And we uh, read the tweet from Governor Abbott yesterday during the Cowboys game after a blocked extra point. Governor Abbott, in a wheelchair, tweets, uh, I swear I can kick as good as the Dallas Cowboys kicker. Pretty funny tweet. Considering the source, you know, and he's, you know, if, if, you, uh, if you think it's an insensitive tweet, he's being insensitive to himself. Seth, you said that is, you asked the question, is this a bipartisan tweet? Is this a tweet that both sides of the aisle can find is humor it, in? Yeah, yeah. Are people able, because I feel like we've lost some of that in America where people can acknowledge that somebody said something funny. Right. Even though you might, might actually hate that person. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 4393. I don't think Abbott's joke was insensitive, but I do think he's a giant a-hole. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's good. That's, bi- that's bipartisan. Uh, 3100 on the trailer wheel and frame text page. I think Abbott is a vile human being, but his joke was funny. <laughs> uh, 7067. I despise Greg Abbott, but great joke. <laughs> People basically like, he's like Fatty Arbuckle, you know? He's, he's got issues, but yeah, that was a funny joke. I am not cherry picking. These are all consecutive. I'm just reading them in order uh-huh. right now. So, um, let's see. Uh, 1842. Love the joke. Don't support roller governor. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, see, now that's where. Okay, but that's where. Okay, we got to cut it off right there. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm no feeling name calling. The guy in the wheelchair makes fun of himself. That's right. fine. But then you got to just, you got to appreciate that for what it is. Yes, yes. Um, Unless, sir, you yourself are in a wheelchair yeah. and then, then, then it changes the dynamic. Don't be the guy that watches a comedy special and then all of a sudden sir. thinks like, hey, I can use racial slurs too. <laughs> sir, I will need proof that you are in a wheelchair to make that comment. Um, don't care. This is 0753 trailer wheel and frame text page. Don't care for Abbott at all, but that was a quality burn. Yeah, <laughs> of did. himself. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was a burn of Maher. It was a burn on Maher, yeah. What if you find yeah. out that Maher worked on his staff or something? Like Maher, <laughs> He's an intern. He's an intern. He was like, like Maher, you thought it was just a sick burn, oh, but that's... actually Abbott knew that There's Maher like, worked on his staff. Was, yes. a, was a volunteer handing out leaflets or something? There's yeah. history. Oh, that's really funny. That's really funny. Um, <laughs> we're getting some reaction to the comps from uh, Matt Miller, including on my own phone from one oh, particular draft okay. analyst. So the comps from Matt Miller. You mean Matt Miller comparing the quarterback prospects to yes. various other NFL to, vi- to current NFL quarterbacks? Yeah, Matt Miller's an ESPN.com uh, draft expert. I'll put air quotes around expert for the benefit of people texting me on my phone right now. Um, but I, I said this is my own comment. Uh, uh, Matt Miller made the comp of C.J. Stroud to Dak Prescott, uh, a comparison that a few have weighed in and said they don't feel is entirely accurate. Because Dak is not entirely accurate, and C.J. Stroud is. Um, but I made the comment that if you draft a quarterback with that second overall pick, and their first seven years are the equivalent of what the Cowboys got out of Dak Prescott, then that was a successful pick. Now, you need to surround them with good players, and I'm just talking about the level of play. I know Dak hasn't been to a conference title game, I'm talking, but if you give him you know, a good surrounding cast, good defense, you know, he, he could make a Super Bowl. Um Text on that, 8880. Dak is totally fine with me as a comp. He seems to have a mental barrier in pressure situations. Yeah. I think that's accurate. What do you do about that? What do you do about the – if you're the Cowboys, if you're a Cowboys fan, I'm guessing that – this is what I would guess your issues are with the Cowboys as an organization. It's that Jerry Jones obviously has taken a step back and his son runs a lot of the stuff now, but – when it comes to quarterbacks and coaches, 
and a few other things. The owner's always going to be involved. It feels like Jerry Jones has fallen in love with this basic structure of a beta-type head coach and a uh, a non-marquee draft pick as your quarterback, and that things are manageable then. And like, hey, I can get the best out of a Tony Romo type or the best out of a Dak Prescott type, and hey – Mike McCarthy is kind of uh, at my at my. He's well healed, and I I don't have to you know I have to worry about him being Jimmy Johnson. I feel like he's so eternally burned by Jimmy Johnson that he's petrified of ego. Yeah, which is what's so intriguing about the Sean Payton thing. I feel like I feel like the only thing that could save the Cowboys is if the one guy who has a huge massive ego that that Jerry Jones would entertain right now is Sean Payton, and uh, I don't know like it just. Because, and I should point out, obviously, that Bill Parcells is part of that too. Like, I feel there's a combination of Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells, where at some point, at some point, he said, okay, I'm not going to take any guys who are like these uh, belligerent loudmouths anymore. Yep. You know, like Wade Phillips, I wouldn't call Beta's kind of an insult, but he's not like a loud, belligerent loudmouth the way that Jimmy Johnson or Bill, uh, Bill Parcells. He's not going to come in and take over the organization. Yeah. That's what Jerry's yeah, afraid yeah. of, I think. Yeah, I'm curious what they're saying up in Dallas today. Who's getting the finger pointed at them the most? If it's McCarthy or if it's Dak today? It's obviously both, but I wonder if you had to pick one to go. My guess is it's McCarthy. I mean, it's hard to find a quarterback. Sean Payton's not a belligerent loudmouth either, but he's but he's got more of that. He's got that old school kind of machismo to him. Yeah, you know, I I feel like, but he also did work. I don't want to I don't want to beat Sean Payton about the ears here. He did work with Mickey Loomis for 15 years yeah. pretty well, like on, on relative equal footing, it seems. Dude, he will put a bounty on your head, though. We know that. He will. The, sto- the way the story was told, the way he participated, it was, um, it was, that was kind of like, okay, Greg Williams is... Okay, now I need to do research. So I don't okay, well, Greg, he, he kind of threw some money into the kitty at one point. Okay, yeah. okay well, that, that gets you suspended. Um, all right, Payne and Pendergast, Reaction Monday. Let's circle back to the coaching search. Uh, the D'Amico Ryan's interview on Friday. What's our optimism level like right now for D'Amico Ryan's Texans head coach? Next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.